This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 526 of the Dressage Radio Show, official podcast of the United States Dressage Federation on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, Total Subtle Fit, and Sure Fit Equine Stability Program. For tonight's USDS episode, we will be joined by Pan Am individual gold medalist Sarah Lockman. We will follow that with a book review of The Riding Doctor. And then Pan Am individual silver medalist Tina Irwin will give us a great trainer tip. This is Reese Koffler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Hi, Phil. How are you? I'm doing very well. How are well, you doing? I have to congratulate Canada on their gold medal at the Pan Am Games. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, great job, team. Huge, great job, great team. job, team. They had a lot of pressure. Do they have to win a gold medal or just a medal to get in the Olympics? So, yeah, we were using the Pan Ams as an Olympic qualifier, so we would have we had to win a medal. Our team had a, had to be a medalist to to make that happen. So we're very proud of our team. Yeah, they enabled us to get a, a team entry into the Olympics at 2020 Tokyo next year. And so it's fantastic. Now the next step is gearing up for for that. That's the next major game. Yeah, games. that's our next yeah. one. I know it's going to be pretty busy in Wellington this year. It's going to be fun. Yeah, It's always a yeah. good Olympic yeah. year. Gets people on their toes. It's going to be fantastic. So I love it. Well, we'll be looking forward to, yeah, some serious competition. I know. Uh, come January, I guess. January, huh? Wellington. It's going to be great. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, well, we have a busy USDF episode. Uh, I guess do. there's some some tidbits that you want yes, to bring to our I have listeners. Tidbits. I do. So I get the instance now where we're the official podcast of USDF. I maybe pay attention to my newsletters slightly more than I did before. But, Phil, I didn't know there were actually USDF member perks. And there are. There are member perks to dressageclinic.com, dressage extensions, dressage today online, hotel storm, mydressagestats.com, premier equestrian, printastic, US rider, and the USDF store. So I actually had no idea that that exists, but if you go to the website, there's a great link to it. And for anybody that's competing, uh, those are always very helpful. I like any kind of discount we can get. And also the 2019 Adequan USDF year-end award preliminary standings are up. So you can take a look at that, which is great. And then remember, if you are planning to go to the U.S. Dressage Finals, you have to do your declaration and a nomination, but go to the U.S. Dressage Finals. That has to be done by a certain date, and I always remind people, go do that. It, it literally takes 10 seconds, but if you don't do that, you're not able to compete. You just have to do the paperwork, so those are just yeah. a couple. Good reminders. Good reminders. Yeah, good reminders. Yeah. I love it. Well, we have a great show. We're going to start off with our commercial break from USDF and come back from Sarah Lockman, the individual gold medalist from the Pan American Games. Founded in 1973, the United States Dressage Federation has become the largest organization to represent a single Olympic equestrian discipline. At nearly 30,000 members strong, USDF is your connection to dressage education, competition, and achievement. 
Visit usdf.org to learn more about USDF education, competition and award programs, and to shop our online store. Again, that's usdf.org, your online destination for dressage. Well, tonight we are so very proud and excited to have Sarah Lachman fresh back from the Pan American Games, where she was the individual gold medalist and silver team medalist. Sarah, welcome back. Thank you so much for having me again. Well, we were so, we were ki- we were kidding. We said, we can't wait to have you back when you win the gold medal. And so now I'm really, really proud that it happened. And start with the experience. I mean, just watching, we were all cheering you on from the States, but tell us what it was like. You know, it was everything I could have dreamed for and more. You know, I think it, it has to start off with, you know, dressage is, is generally a um, individual sport and we, we rarely get a chance to ride on a team and, you know, we cheer each other on as fellow professionals, but we're always kind of, you know, rooting for ourselves. So, you know, it was definitely a different experience right from the get-go with our, you know, team building and our team training sessions that we had before we left for Peru and just the entire dressage team. um, I mean, was just so excited and we were so supportive of each other and it was just a great vibe that we all had and and really made the experience that much more special. Uh, And definitely the other, the other thing that is, was a completely new experience for me is, you know, when we actually arrived to the games, there's definitely a sense, a huge sense of country pride. You know, you're not walking around anymore in your barn colors or, you know, your, your trainer's name. You know, we were walking around in our country's colors with USA on our backs. And, you know, it was such a cool feeling to be, you know, so proud to walk around like that and to see other countries, you know, basically we all go around in like groups or flocks in our colors. And, and it definitely just kind of raised the bar. I know for myself and I'm for my teammates as well to kind of take that all in and that we weren't, we were no longer riding, you know, for just us to, to get, to reach an accomplishment, but we really were riding for our country. So I think that, that was one of the, the best parts of the whole experience is, you know, obviously, you know, I was so happy to have won the individual gold medal and, and it was a very cool feeling to stand up on that podium and, you know, that have the American flag be raised and our national anthem played, you know, because of what I did. So um, that will definitely be a moment that will never be forgotten. And I will definitely strive to try feel that again. Awesome. Sounds awesome. So tell us a little bit about, you know, your arrival and the facilities and, and how welcoming everybody was at, uh, at, at Lima. You know, they definitely did a top-notch job, um, you know, more than I it was way more than I expected. And I think anybody else as well, the stables were beautiful with big stalls and everything was brand new and very clean. And the grounds were beautiful. The footing was super, I mean, top notch, probably the best footing I've ever competed on, you know, and they, they really paid attention to detail and the ring was decorated beautifully and gave a, a real like big international feeling, you know? So that was, that was also, you know, really special for us to be able to go in that main ring and, and really have it feel like, you know, this is a big deal because, you know, it is. And and I would say that, um, you know, they did a great job making us feel very safe and secure. The security was awesome throughout the town and the surrounding areas. You know, the, the country definitely upped 
the security and the police force and the presence of the police as well. So, you know, we felt really safe walking around and, and, you know, going across the street Starbucks. And I definitely would have to say that the Peruvian people were extremely happy and welcoming and happy to have all of us there. Um, and we had plenty of really great experiences, even just kind of exploring the local town on our little bit of downtime. So it was, it was really great. And they really did a great job and I'm sure are very proud of, you know, what they were able to pull off. That's fantastic. So tell us, how did Apple travel and handle, because it was, it was winter there versus summer. How did, how did that all happen with Apple and all the rest of the team? (laughs) Right. Well, I think we all definitely sweated it out here in Florida in our training camp, um, which I think was a maybe that was our secret mission is to get super fit before (laughs) heading out to Lima. But but once we arrived there, you know, the horses were so happy. It was, you know, between 55 to probably 65. It might have even gotten up to 70 one of the days. And it was, you know, cool, misty mornings and then sunny, clear afternoons and no wind and no real rain or anything. So um, I have to say, uh, at least for, I'm sure, for sure, for my horse, we were very fresh. And that definitely worked in our advantage because, you know, it's a long, strenuous traveling kind of schedule for him and I and, and, you know, the other horses as well. So I think that kind of helped them since they were extra fit from it being summer here. I think they were really happy to perform in a little bit cooler weather. So tell, tell us a little bit about maybe your own personal mental preparation for going in and competing, you know, for the U.S. at a major games. What are, what are some tips, you know, that maybe we can give to our listeners about just competing in general? What's, what's, your, what's your go-to? Yeah, so I um, I am a very big believer in, first of all, visualization. Um, I've been practicing this, like, meditation slash visualizing your test kind of state of mind that I've been doing since I was much younger. I used to struggle quite a lot with competition nerves when I was younger and, and eventing and, and kind of had to find ways to deal with that so that I could still perform at my best. Um, so I am a big, big, big believer in if you're prepared to the utmost of your ability, it really takes away a lot of those kind of nerves. So, you know, Apple and I have been preparing for this moment for this, that weekend, you know, for, from day one, from when I sat on them, you know, and, and between our training schedules and I mean, very detailed calendar work right down to how to make sure that him and I both peak at that specific day, you know, so, so really being almost overly prepared and, and feeling really good about that process. Um, And then I uh, work very closely with a, a super sports psychologist. And I highly recommend that to anybody that competes at any level. There's so many um, aspects to what we do. Um, but I like to think of dressage. Dressage is almost like golf, you know, and, and only so much of it is actually physical. It is a huge mental game. And when we're talking about a matter, you know, uh, a half of a point or a tenth of a percentage point, um, it really can be, you know, the difference between are you really on your game? Are you really fully there mentally? Or, you know, were you checked out for half a second? And that's really all it takes. So I'm, I feel very fortunate to have a super sports psychologist that I work with on a very regular basis that helped me be really mentally strong. And I think we really proved that because that was my first game situation, first, first time representing my country. And, 
And it was a great feeling, but I also, I was the anchor rider. So I was the rider that was last in our, in our group to go. And then unfortunately, since Endel Ox wasn't able to join us, we were short a team member. So there was no drop score. So I do have to say there was quite a bit of pressure on myself and Apple, especially with Canada bringing out, you know, their best tests. And I am very thankful for all the preparation that I did mentally, physically, riding-wise, because we did two out of three personal best scores in a game situation under intense pressure. So um, I think we really proved it to the country and, and to our fellow teammates. You know, Apple and I can definitely perform and and provide results under pressure. Oh, absolutely. You, It was amazing. I mean, like you said, two out of three personal best. Like, that's incredible. <laughs> and So tell us a little bit about the test. Like, maybe start with the pre-St. George, just some things that you were really excited about. That would be great. Yeah, so the pre-St. George, I think, probably was the test I was probably feeling the most anxiety for. Just it was the first time going out in that ring. And, and you know, the feeling kind of rushes over you as you go through the gates, you know, in the big grandstands and you know it all gets really real but I'm I'm also super thankful that my horse you know Apple is a total performer so he goes in there and he is on you know he's not ever looking for a way out he never says no so the two of us just kind of block out everything else and it's and it's just like tunnel vision in in the court you know we don't see even as far as the judges stand so it's actually a very very cool feeling it's a very close personal feeling that i have with my horse when we go into situations like that so the pre saint george was great you know i had a basically mistake free test obviously we're dressage riders and i did not get 100% so you know <laughs> i can tell you that there are things i i still would like to be better that i know can be better but i was extremely happy and the feeling you know going down final center line knowing that I that I really did a, a super mistake free test uh you know was amazing and then the I1 uh also you know Apple showed up to work that day too and we had a very small little like hiccup in one of our change set of changes but but again you know we scored in the mid 70s and and won you know the class per se, you know, so we were top of the leaderboard all three days. And then, you know, the freestyle, the freestyle is, to be a million percent honest, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of freestyle riding. Um, I am a typical like AAA personality type you know, you go to A, you turn left, you always turn left, you always go into the corner. <laughs> you know, I, I really do well with a set of rules and, and freestyles, you know, you have to ride to your music and sometimes you turn early and sometimes you turn late and sometimes you throw something else in. So that has been a learning curve for me to be a little more uh, open-minded as I'm in the competition ring of <laughs> what's going on as far as my music goes and not riding a pattern. So so the freestyle though, my music is super fun and it's something I could listen to all the time. It's kind of dance, electronic, hip hop music that's very current and it's something I would like blast in my car going to work. So it was really fun to be able to kind of dance with my partner there and and again he was with me hundred percent of the time and, and when we finished that test I I knew we we were gonna be up there in the high seventies. So I was also really happy to have a personal best in the freestyle because that's a, a personal accomplishment for me to do so well in, in that phase. Well congratulations. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about what's uh, what's next for you and Apple when you get home. Maybe some downtime, and then and then uh, what's 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 the future hold? Yeah, so definitely we're going to have some downtime. You know, the horse has earned it. We've we've put a lot of miles on us between the two of us in the last not even year, and uh, so we will be doing lots of trail rides and 
and some just fun stuff to, uh, as a change of pace. Uh, you know, he's a horse that likes to work and likes to be out. So by no means will we not be doing anything, but it'll definitely be just a little bit tailored differently. But, you know, during this whole time, Apple and I have been able to manage our schedule and work on the Grand Prix in between our qualifying periods. So, you know, Apple shows super, super talent to be at the top of the sport in the Grand Prix. So in the next six months or so, that is going to be our main focus is just building him towards that, being him happy and healthy. You know, the horse, if anybody's seen a video of him, you know, the horse loves his job and he's extremely soft and supple and willing. And and the goal is to keep that as we work towards the Grand Prix. But I definitely see some exciting things coming for 2020 for both of us. Oh, well, Sarah, we really, we were cheering you on. We're so very excited for you and Apple and can't wait to see how things go in 2020 and beyond. And so, Sarah, tell us if anybody has any questions on how to get in touch with you, how can they do that? Well, if anybody has any questions, you can reach me on my email. It's sldressage at gmail.com. And you can check out my website, which is www.summitfarm.com. Fantastic. Well, have a safe trip home. You still have to fly to California, but we hope you guys get some downtime. And, and again, congratulations on all your hardware. It's amazing. Well, thank you so much for having me again on the show. Right after this commercial break from Kentucky Performance Products, we're coming back with our book review with our auditor, Megan, and we hope you enjoy the book review of The Riding Doctor. The sun is just peeking above the tree line as you walk into the barn. You grab your horse's halter off the hook and head out to the field. The dew shimmers in the sun as you walk across the damp grass. You call his name and his head comes up as he walks toward you looking for the apple in your pocket. You take your time grooming, enjoying the peace and quiet in the empty barn. A refreshing breeze greets you as you start down the tree-lined path. Your horse ambles along on a loose rein as you both enjoy a relaxing ride. The feeling you get on an early morning hack is why we do what we do at Kentucky Performance Products. This feeling is brought to you by Microphase. Fill the nutritional gaps in your horse's diet. Microphase vitamin and mineral supplement is a low-calorie way to provide your horse with the vitamins and minerals missing from their diet. The horse that matters to you matters to us. We are really excited to have our book review for this section of our book club. This has been a a really fun segment we've started, and we are really excited to have Megan Aline, and she is reviewing The Riding Doctor, The Prescription for Healthy, Balanced, Beautiful Riding, Now and for Years to Come by Beth Gloston. Welcome to the show, Megan. Hey, guys. How's it going? And we are so happy to have you. So tell us a little bit about your, your riding self and about yourself. So I have been riding since I was 10, so he's 25 years now, and I currently have a uh, American Saddlebred that I bought uh, a little over three years ago, and she was kind of started off as a, obviously it's tried to be a saddle seat horse when she was a yearling, they didn't have the action that she wanted, so they kind of stuck her in pasture, and she kind of was out there for a while, so when I got her, she had no idea of how to use her body in the correct way at all whatsoever. So we did dressage for the first year just to teach her that she does have a back and how to use that properly and all sorts of things. So 
but she she I like to do all around stuff. So we do dressage. I've popped over jumps. We're getting into endurance. She likes to chase cows. We like to do all kinds of things. So it's kind of how my riding style has been. It's just a little bit of everything. I get bored when it's just one style. So yeah, that makes total sense. So tell us a little bit about what do you think about the book? I thought the book was really, really well done in a really good format. She the so the great thing about this particular author is that she's also a doctor, but she doesn't I didn't feel like she spoke above the reader at all. Like, you know how sometimes when you read doctor books or books read written by doctors, they tend to <laughs> kind of speak above you in, in terms yeah, they of get like, super oh, yeah. Exactly. What are you talking about? <laughs> right. So she she did not she did not do that at all. I felt that she really kept it simple and broke it down and made it easy for the writer to kind of or the reader to understand kind of what was going on. But but then she also did this really cool thing with each section. She had little stories of like and I think they were hypothetical stories or they she like she changed a bunch of the names so that they weren't her real, you know, real clients names, but she would say you know, this particular client was having this issue, which we then trace back to, you know, no upper body control or, you know, lower leg issues or so on and so forth. And then how they kind of work to fix that and then the improvements that it made. So I thought that was super helpful because it's something that can, you know, everybody can relate to of like, oh yeah, my horse yeah, does that I think all that the really, time. Yeah, mm-hmm. really made it yes, relatable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, specifically things that like, I, I know I have troubles with Reese was talking about, you know, parts of the book that really spoke to her as well. And I think, you know, every, I don't think people are born with, you know, perfect symmetry or, you know, perfect riding skills. I think it's somewhat of an unnatural thing to be doing to sit on a horse and then try and make it, you know, make your body align with the horse's body and, and then steer it around. And, you know, I think we all yeah, come yeah, especially if you've been riding for any long period of time, you probably have at least one, if not several injuries. So you're definitely not mm-hmm. going to be symmetry in the in the whole thing. So yeah, no, so, it's very true. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, so. good. I was just going to say how I thought, you know, just from the beginning of the book that that Beth here broke it down into like the five rider fundamentals, which she talks about where that speaks to me as a trainer because we have the training pyramid in riding and that she tried to do a little bit the same thing in, in riders to say like, you know, step one is you have to have mental focus. Step two is developing proper posture and then three and four body control legs and arms. And then five understanding the way in which a horse moves and how you can help your riding to help your horse move better. I, I always love things broken down into sections. And, you know, so when I was reading the book, I could, you know, read a section, put it down for a bit, work on that or work on the exercises of that section and then come back to it and work on the next thing. You know, that's, that's, I think just the way, you know, my writing education has worked. And I like, I like the author to, uh, to break it down like that as well. Well, especially since it's, like you said, it's in the same sort of training pyramid that dressage writers are used to anyway. So it, it kind of breaks it down as, as, as important it is for, the horse to you know to have certain things for the horse that you do it for the for the rider and it's in a format that riders are going to understand anyway. So no, I totally agree that I thought that was pretty smart how she did it. No, I do too. And you know, I think also if you having if you're having a problem, like for example, you know, she's got 
body control, legs. Like if you're having an issue with your legs, you can read it. it. You don't have to read the whole book. You can just look at that section and say, gosh, these are some exercises and these are some things I need to do or I need to work on my posture, you know, and you can take it step by step because it is, she gives you workout options and ideas and some things that you can do with some minimal equipment, which I also thought was really good. The, the minimal equipment was fantastic. So Yeah, I think uh, it's something that is, is very doable for just about anybody. And I also think that it, the, I didn't think that any of the exercises were out of the realm of, you know, anybody, whether it's, you know, someone who's 25 or someone who's 65 is able to do in, in and which I did really like that she, she made it user-friendly in the respect that anybody could kind of do it. Yeah, which is good because I'm not a, innately a workout kind of girl. So <laughs> I, I, it's not my thing, but I do know how important it is. And, you know, when I do my workout stuff, I ride better. It's amazing. And I feel, I, I also feel better. So I thought it was, it was quite a good book. And I'm, I'm very much the opposite. I'm very much a workout <laughs> girl. So it, it really helps me kind of focus more on the, the other parts because you know I, I I'm a runner and I'm a biker and that sort of thing so it's it was very different from what I was used to so I I did like I did like how she broke it out how it kind of focused specifically on that sort of thing fantastic well I think it, this is a win for every one of us and we had we had been asked for a workout a workout type book from one of our listeners so I think this is a win what do you guys think yeah absolutely I would totally recommend it to to anybody who was because it wasn't that hard but you could also make it harder if you needed yeah, so yeah I, I think it's think it's not a book of workout as start. in like run 30 you know run 30 kilometers or yeah. you know lift this amount of weight i mean it's it comes from a place of pilates or some some it's a, it's about a lot of stretches and and finding your core muscles which is what we have to do in riding right, not working necessarily. on balance yeah, and balance, and that's what we all need to do better. And and moving your arms and your legs independently, you know, you don't necessarily need to work on strength a lot of times, uh, other than in your core, like not arm strength to pull the horse harder or leg strength to kick the horse harder, but more in how to coordinate your aids and how to be strong and how to breathe. It, 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 all of this mm-hmm. stuff is in there. How to rub your head and uh, pat rub your stomach yeah. and pat your head kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's going to be very useful for uh, for a lot of riders, whether they're trying to ride with dressage or, you know, there's some sort of jumping technique type stuff to, that, that they, we talk about in the book. Just to learn how to balance better, I think, is, is our all, you know, our goal for everyone. So this book is going to get yeah, through there. Yeah, for sure. And I know there were a couple stories of even like eventers in there that, you know, were, were galloping cross country for miles and miles, but they have that, they need that same core strength that that dressage riders also I mean every rider needs core strength but absolutely yeah fantastic well this uh the book that we read for our entry for our book club was called the riding doctor by beth gloston and you can find it at trafalgar square books or www.horseandriderbooks.com so we are thankful for their support and we're also thankful we we reviewed and, and got to look at this book so megan thank you so much for coming on the show No, thank you for sending it to me. That was awesome. (laughs) Fantastic. Well, let us know how you continue doing with your workout and your riding. That'll be great. You got it. (laughs) Thanks. Well, Phil, our book reviews are always a lot of fun. We are coming back with our next announcement in the next couple weeks uh, with our next book that we're going to review. But we really enjoy uh, we really enjoy the whole uh, program, and we hope you continue to read the books and, and be our auditor who reviews them. 
And Phil, we have a great next interview. It's with Wendy Murdoch. I met Wendy and she showed me all about her SureFit Equine Stability Program. She showed me in Kentucky. So I hope you enjoy our discussion with Wendy. I'm very excited to have Wendy Murdoch. She is an internationally recognized instructor, clinician, author. She's also the inventor of the Natural and the SureFoot Equine Stability Program. Wendy, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm really excited because you came to my farm in Kentucky early in the morning. You were in Kentucky doing some other business and we touched base and I said, yeah, come on. And I pulled out my toughest candidate, which you quickly mastered um, with the Surefoot Stability Program. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about the program you've developed? Great. So um, I've been riding since I was a kid and um, I've got a bachelor's degree in animal science and then wound up going back to school because I didn't want to live on the end of a pitchfork. So I got my master's degree in equine reproductive physiology from the University of Kentucky, which is why it was like like going back to a familiar place when I came to yes. see you. Um, <laughs> while I was there, I know it's great, um, but while I was there, I was working in a vent barn and I heard a horse rear up and flip over. And if he had rolled right, he wouldn't have touched me. But of course he rolled left and he punched my femur through the hip socket and kicked me between the legs when he got up, breaking my pelvis in two places on the right. Mm. So they straightened me up off the ground and took me, I think it was St. Joseph's Hospital. And this was 1984. And they did surgery, obviously, and screwed my hip socket back together and um, sent me home with no physical therapy. So in my own process of rehabilitation, I've explored everything from acupuncture, chiropractics, you know, uh, Traeger, wrong thing, all different kinds of modalities, because my doctor didn't give me anything to get better. And when I rode, he said, you know, ride with your knees off the saddle, because I was going numb from the knee down, and I couldn't sit cross-legged. And he said, you may never get your flexibility back. Well, I'm the kind of person, if you tell that to me, that's a challenge, and I'm going to prove you wrong. So I did. But in the process, I met Linda Tellington-Jones, and I worked with her for years. And at my second training with Linda, I met Sally Swift. And so I became one of Sally's apprentices in 1992. And so that's how I got riding again, because what normal riding instructors told me wasn't going to work for me, because they didn't understand my broken body. And I really wanted to get back to riding. So, you know, this is kind of a long story of process, but that was 15 seconds that changed my life. and then. During that process, Linda Tellington-Jones knew of the felt. She actually had studied with Dr. Feldenkrais and the Feldenkrais method, which is helping you achieve your potential by learning new possibilities of movement. So in 2001, I enrolled in the Feldenkrais training. I studied the method for 16 years. I use it in my teaching every day because so many riders, the issue is that they, it's not that they don't want to do what you tell them. They don't know how to do what you tell them. And we don't always check it out. So with my work teaching riding, I make sure the rider can, can do what I'm asking them to do and make sure that that's clear and that they have the information they need to be successful. So in this process, I'm always looking for new ways to approach things because if you say something like heels, they're not going to hear anything else. They're going to go to the habit, whatever that is, whether it's bracing or jamming or whatever. So to get new ideas into a person, I come from a really different direction where they have no habit, where they have no guessing. They can't guess where I'm going. And so the brain becomes very open. The person's very curious. And it's that curiousness, that novelty, that like, you know, where are we going? I don't understand this, but I'm feeling different things. 
that that allows new information to come in without confronting the habit. So I kind of think of it as like if you have a solid wall in front of you, that's your habit. You can pound at it all day. But if there's a little mouse holding, you sneak through there, you get to the other side of the wall without having to break it down. And so I've been doing that for years in my teaching. And then one day I was working with a horse that I was going to see. I see it on a Monday or Tuesday every month. And on the Monday she came and the horse was lame in the right hind leg. And it turned out to be a saddle problem. She'd switched the saddle to a jumping saddle and we switched back to her dressage saddle. But the horse was still short in the right hind leg. And that night I went home and I was talking to Dr. Joyce Harmon, who's a a well-known holistic vet, and that's where my host lives, we met her place. And she wanted to stand at her computer instead of sit. Well, this was 2012. This is May 2012. And And she was saying, you know, I want something to stand on, some kind of a pad. And, oh, by the way, did you know that they're putting dogs on different pads for rehabilitation? And I'm sitting at my computer and I'm tapping away and I'm looking at these pictures. And I said to her, has anyone ever done this with a horse? And she said, not that I know of. And she said, well, if you try this, time it for 15 seconds. So I'm like, okay, I got nothing to lose with this horse. He's lame. You know, I'm going to see him again today. I don't know what I'm going to do with him. So I went into my shed and I grabbed a couple of pads and I drove to the lesson and I walk in and my students are used to me doing really weird things. And I, I walk up to her and say, I'm going to put this pad underneath your horse's hind foot and I'm going to time it for 15 seconds. So this is the second time in my life, 15 seconds has totally changed my life. <laughs> and I, I know it's kind of crazy, isn't it? I timed it. He walked off. He was completely different. I was floored. So I worked with him. And by the time we were done, he, he didn't look lame anymore. The next horse that came in the ring was a Western Pleasure Quarter horse. The woman wanted to do a venting. The, the canner was terrible. I stuck the pads under his feet. In an hour, we had a round canner. The next horse was a halflinger, and the same thing. In an hour, we had a round canter. Well, now I'm hooked. I don't know what's going on, but I know this is this is really something. And so that's the, the birth of Surefoot. I just it was a you know a random experiment, kind of based out of my Feldenkrais training of trying novel and different things. And here I am, seven and a half years later. I have people all around the world using Surefoot pads. I just saw a post just like before you called in of a the veterinarian, I'm not sure what country she in, it's not the United States. She's now using them. And almost daily now I have a veterinarian from the United States, either they're getting pads from my website or sending a client or giving me a call or popping me an email because Colorado state university has now been using them for about two years and they just did an AAP meeting and they demonstrated the surefoot pads. And so um, then my phone starts ringing, but it's really exciting to see how something so, so it's very simple in its concept. There's a, you know, some safety rules, obviously, but it's an opportunity for the horse to have a choice and to experience something that is clearly profound to him, even if we don't understand how it's working. And it's the thousands of horses that I've seen that make a change, that relax, that lick and chew, that close their eyes, that walk off and move different, that can be shot by the farrier without being tranquilized anymore that can relax before they perform in the dressage arena, that can recover from the barrel racing event so that they're ready to perform the next day so the horse is rehabilitating or that him has laminitis. And so it's something that crosses all disciplines because every horse has a hoof, and that hoof is a sensory organ. And this is what, you know, 
since I started this, I've talked to Dr. Bob Bowker, Hillary Clayton, Joyce Harmon, Dr. Stephen Peters. I keep asking people, you know, what they think is happening. And the bottom line is that the foot is a sensory organ and we are inputting information through the sensory organ of the foot, goes directly to the brain. The horse has to organize that entire body and you to go cross country on those four feet and they better hit the ground the right way or we're in trouble. So we when not ex- to think about it as a yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. So explain because it's it's really cool because you come in and you have basically a set of pads, right? And can you explain mm-hmm. like how that works? Because that's what was interesting to me. They're not it's not all the same. So explain how that works. Well, so in the process of like I created a whole category, like stability pads for horses didn't exist. And I was using pads, but the horses were destroying them because they weren't designed for horses. So my husband, Brad Schneider, got on the phone and started calling companies and found a company that would make horse durable pads. And they have some pretty unique uh, phones that they would send to me and I'd test them. And we came up with what we have now. So there's, um, there, it goes hard, firm, medium, soft, and there's two types of slants, hard slants and soft and firm slants. Some horses need it to be really hard so that it gives to heat and pressure, but doesn't have a lot of, you know, wiggle. And then other horses really like soft, which has a lot of wiggle, a lot of give. And so this is where I start hard and work soft. And I ask the horse what they'd like. I allow them to show me if they don't like the pattern. You kind of saw that, right? Mm -hmm. Like if they don't like it, they kick it out, right? And when they like it, they take a big breath, they close their eyes and they stay there. So it's giving them a voice to show me what they like because I'm not in their body. I can't tell what's going to feel best for them, but they can show me by, by offering the different densities and the, and the angle of the slant to say, what feels good to you? What feels balanced to you? Do you want this softer one? Do you want this harder one? And while I can kind of give people guidelines, it's really the horse that gets to choose. And that's like one of the really important things is that the horse has a choice. And you saw how every horse is a little different. So the, so you don't have to have all of them to start with, but you know, it's a big investment, but if you just wanted to kind of experiment hard or firm is a great place to start. And you, you can see that they show you how long they want to stand on the pad, whether they want it on a front foot, whether they want both front feet, maybe they want all four feet, not all horses like that. And I just, I just had two horses today that they're ranch horses. And it was really interesting because you could see them, they, they relax and they start to breathe and they'll start to sway and they close their eyes and they get into this really tranquil place. But the cool thing is they're not asleep. They're just, they're just, I don't know, processing for lack of a better word. And then if you're riding, which we didn't do with you, we did your horses unmounted, but she was riding and she'd walk off and then she'd ask for the canner and it was right there. The one that she was struggling with, the lead she was having trouble with. So seven and a half years of doing this, I've learned a couple things from the horses. One is that when we say something profound to them, they acknowledge it. Like the biggest complaint my students have is that the horses won't leave me because I've done something that's really meaningful to them. And the other thing is that tension is the enemy. So often it's not that the horse doesn't understand what we want, but the tension is preventing him from doing it. 
So if you're about to go into a dressage competition and your horse is nervous, he's not going to perform as well as if he's relaxed and calm and confident. And if I can do something to help him feel grounded and secure, he's going to go out and do his job and perform. In fact, I had one client, actually it was Felicitas' student, and the horse was really nervous, and they were at the show, they put the horse on the pad, he got high score for the show, you know? I mean, it's yeah. kind of, it it's looks really- weird, it's... It's results-based, right? It's results-based. Well, it was really interesting just in my own horses because, you know, Wendy came and I, I, you know, I, I, I didn't tell her, but I brought out the toughest candidate first and I thought, well, we'll see, we'll see how this goes. And, um, you know, Big Mike is not known for, he's, he's always had some issues with proprioception. It's been something I've dealt with since he was little, you know, and even just walking from different surfaces and that kind of stuff. He's a big guy, you know, I don't know if he fell or something as a kid, but, you know, he's always had some issues. So we brought him out and and for him, he really has to think about it, really, really has to think about it. So he sh- struggled with it. Well, then we brought out, hello, my almost Grand Prix horse, and he was able to get right on it. Didn't He was like, mm-hmm. got it, stood on it, no problem. But the one that struggled the most was, and then we brought out one more who has a tendency to be a little bit shy and a little bit curious and, uh, you know, um, it was Marcusville, and this one's yeah. a little bit tricky. He's not the easiest one, and it was also very good for him because it was a good experience. He he had to sort of think about it and answer the questions on which pads to stand on, and uh, it was really fascinating. And then, Wendy, you lined him up just for me to walk on from hard to oh, soft, yeah, right. mm-hmm. and that was really impactful for me because – I also have some issues that we all do, right? We have some compensating issues with our body. Um, and I've had some injuries in my knees and my hips and my back and blah, 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 like all riders. And when I was walking down sort of the row of pads, it was very interesting on how I really had to think about the change in the change in the pads, but also in my own body. So I sort of understood what the horses were going through a lot more because you really had to think about it as you went, I, I really liked the one that was on the incline. That one felt really good to mm-hmm. me. I was like, Oh, I like this one. But as I was walking down, I had to really focus on it again, because of my different physical issues. So that was really helpful. And it was, I, I understood why, what kind of what the horses were feeling and why they had to focus and then they would get it and then release and relax. And so it was, it was really cool. So Wendy has a fantastic program and there's a DVD too, which is really helpful for those of us yeah. who need to see DVDs. Um, well, there's uh, a few basic rules. So it's important to know those and, and ways to keep yourself safe. And that's the important thing. And, and there's lots of videos, like all those videos are up on my YouTube channel too. They're all free, like how to do it. So if people want to just look and see, you know, what's this all about? Can I see some videos of horses on pads? Yeah, it's all up on my YouTube channel. Fantastic. And what is your YouTube channel? Murdoch Method. Fantastic. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's my business, Murdoch Method. Everything I want to throw in the sink. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Well... Fantastic, Wendy. Thank you so much for your time. And it's such a cool, it's, it's such a cool idea. And like I said, I use it with my own horses and Big Mike. Uh, I meant to get a, a picture of him today on on the pads, but it has really made a big difference for him um, and, and just his coordination. And, um, and as he's kind of going up the levels now, we're asking him harder things. Uh, I really do think it's helped him a lot. So uh, Wendy, how okay. can our listeners find you online and uh, ask you any questions if they were to have them? So my website is 
MurdochMethod.com. Facebook is Murdoch Method LLC. I have a, a business page on, on Facebook, Surefoot Equine. They can message me. They can contact me through their website, or they can email me directly at wendy at wendymurdoch.com. Fantastic. Well, Wendy, thank you so much, and we look forward to chatting with you more about the program. Great. That's, that's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Well, Phil, everybody asks me, do you love the stability stirrup leathers? And I'm like, we, I use them every day. I use them on my bounciest horse. And I actually think we're truly that they help a lot. And I look at the pictures and I'm much happier with my leg position with these stirrup leathers. We are a huge fan. I know you are as well. Yeah. I mean, all the products coming from Total Saddle Fit uh, have great leather, great workmanship. Justin is a dream to work with about questions that we have and we send to him. He comes on the show. It's just uh, a great product from a great company. So we're happy to have them as a sponsor. Absolutely. So if you have any more questions or want to take a look at the stability stirrup leathers, um, go to totalsaddlefit.com and they will answer all your questions. It's a fantastic company to work with. So we're going to come back and we have our Total Saddle Fit tip of the week from individual silver medalist and team gold medalist, Tina Irwin. This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com. Well, we are so excited this week for our Total Saddle Fit tip of the week. We have 2019 Lima, Peru Canadian team member Tina Irwin, who's on the show tonight. Tina, welcome to the show. Thank you. We are so happy to have you for our trainer tip of the week, and we will get right into it. What's our what's your tip for us? So my tip is learning how to ride your horse straight and also use your arena correctly. Many of the students that I teach, you know, they don't go into the corners, which for me is a bit of a pet peeve because the corner, of course, is, you know, preparing you for that next movement, setting your horse up. So I like to work a lot on, you know, executing a corner properly. So if generally horses don't like to bend in the corners. So, you know, one exercise I use is walking before the corner, actually really getting the bend in the corner and then trotting as you come out of the corner or cantering on again. Um, doing that a few times so that the horse really listens to the half halt in the actual trot or canter so that you can bend them correctly, and then ride forward as you come out of the corner. And another one, of course, is riding center lines. Um, riding straight onto the center line, directly on the center line, halting at X and doing a proper trot off is very difficult. So, you know, that is something I like to incorporate into my everyday riding um, towards the end of the ride. And usually if it goes well, then I finish off on that just to make sure that you can start off your test with um, a good impression and also leave with a good impression because there's nothing worse than entering and, you know, not being on the center line, not halting square and, you know, walking out of the halt. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I think we can all, yeah. all struggle with the, those two things. I was just going to ask you a little bit of a technical question. Uh, maybe you're okay with that, but I see a lot of people, 
trying to bend in the corner, but what happens is they actually end up falling into the corner. So is there any tips that you can say that, that, that helps you to achieve bend without a loss of balance? Well, I mean, I think you have to, first of all, make sure you're sitting over your inside seat bone. There are a lot of people that don't, especially going right, usually fall left. So sitting a little bit more over that inside seat bone, making sure you have control over the outside shoulder and the outside hind leg by, you know, having that outside leg slightly behind the girth and uh, neck reining the shoulder a little bit and making, making sure the bend comes through the inside leg. Um, not the neck. So the bend comes through the horse's body and then a small flexion through the jowl to the inside. That's what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think people forget, like just use the walls a little bit to hold their horses up and then end up not supporting them enough through the outside, le- you know, outside leg and outside rein. And, and then you just get yes. this, the head flinging around a little bit and, and then, you know, the rider thinking that that's bend, but they've just thrown their horse completely off of balance. So yeah, totally. And actually, just coming to think of it, another really good tool for your everyday riding is to have, I think, somebody take a small video of you riding, because I just did this yesterday with one of my students, and she came back today and she said, I had no idea that I was, you know, doing that in the canter. You know, she was really moving around with her whole body. And I said, you've got to sit still. And I said, do you even realize what you're doing? And she said, no, not really. And then I said, okay, I'm going to take a little video. And yep. uh, she watched yeah. it and she said, yep. oh my gosh, like I had no idea. And she said, that looks horrible. <laughs> so, you know, and then today she was very conscious of what she was doing. And so we worked on improving that and she said, oh, no, that feels so much better. But it just really created that awareness. And as much as we all, I mean, including me, I don't like to watch videos of myself riding generally. I, I'm very critical. I think, oh, what am I doing? And I don't like this and I don't like that. But I have to force myself to watch and see what I'm doing so I can improve it. Even if it's just, you know, a short clip, I think it's very helpful. Yeah. No, I, I'm agree. I, I don't like to watch myself on video. But when you do, you're like, oh, okay. You know, again, you don't try to practice yeah. that. But, you know, have someone stand there. You don't have to have any technical ability. My poor husband gets roped in a lot. I'm like, stand at sea and push play and zoom in. Like, you know, you can have a husband, you can have, you know, a a child help you video. And it really does make a difference. And just also going back to using the arena, because I love this. Literally, I, I guarantee all three of us taught lessons today, like, please turn on the center line. Watch your eight meter circles. You know, these are things that actually you lose so many points in the arena and it's the first thing I do when I go through a test with a student is just what are the low-hanging fruit well you rode a 10 meter circle instead of an eight meter circle so that's going to affect your score you didn't ride a proper halt you were off on the center line you know these things they add Reese just yells geometry I do it drives me crazy (laughs) it does it drives me crazy because I'm like but but you also have to practice that that's what I got from yeah. your tip was you can't just say, oh, yeah, I know. Like, yeah, no, no, it's no. not just going to happen on show day, <laughs> yes. right? Like, yeah, oh, no, yeah, you, exactly. Like, you can't assume that you know that you can ride a 10 meter circle without actually having done it. Practiced every time. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's always interesting for me um, when you start to actually walk it through with with your students, how 
they really sometimes do not understand the distance between the letters or to the center line. And when you actually walk it out and show them where they have to, you know, for the eight meter circle, you know, leave the track, um, not before the letter, not at the letter, like slightly after the letter and really know every point on the circle where you should be. So I think, well, the eight meter circles, eight meter voltas are probably like one of the hardest things to ride um, mm-hmm. in the pre-St. George and I won because they they are, I mean, to keep the um, rhythm and the balance and the self carriage and the bend and, you know, expression. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, yeah. it's, it's really quite difficult. So those do require a lot of practice, I think. Yeah. 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 So I just think that was what I took from the tip is just remember it's, it's every day you do that. And then it's part of what you do. And it's not like, Oh no, I'm writing a test and how do I write a 10 meter circle? You know, it's, it's yeah. part of you're you're already doing it every day and, or when you're, when you're, tra- when you're training. So, well, yeah. Tina, thank you so much for your tip of the week. And if our listeners want to find you online, how can they do that? So um, we have a Facebook um, page called Stony Lake Equestrian, home of Team Irwin. I know it's a bit of a mouthful. And then a website, which is teamirwindressage.com. Fantastic. Well, we can't wait to cheer you on in the Pan Ams and see your perfect eight meter circles. (laughs) (laughs) I hope so. No pressure. (laughs) No pressure. Well, as always, Phil, we love our email and Facebook shout outs. Keep them coming. Uh, we love them and we're working through. We have been really busy recently, and, and but we've still, we know they're there and we're going to keep, we'll get to them for sure, we promise. But keep sending them and, and keep sending Phil and I shout outs and things that we can always improve or things you want to hear about on the show and we're happy to help you. The United States Dressage Federation is your connection to dressage education, competition, and achievement. Visit usdf.org for more information. That's www.usdf.org, the online destination for dressage. You can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com. And my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. I think the best way to find me is on Facebook or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to put on a good show. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. As always, keep your heels down and your shoulders back and we will talk to you next week.